Rewinding. Rewinding Kaya FM on FM Rewind. My Money and Me with Sumitra Naidu on the home of the Afropolitan. It's just gone 22 minutes after 8. Uh, you're listening to My Money and Me with Sumitra Naidu. I'm Nastasia Arantza standing in for Sumitra um, this evening. Remember, you can um, you know call in on the studio line 86 And of course, we do appreciate you engaging with us on social media uh, at KaiFM Talk. And the hashtag is hashtag My Money and Me. Well, now we're going to be talking to um, Dr. Pashi, who's um, internationally an award-winning anthropologist, specialist and anesthesiologist and her goal is to um, uplift and inspire women and young people. Um, most people might actually know her as well as uh, Dr. Patience Njani. Dr. Pashi, thank you so much for your time this evening. Ah, hi and thank you for having me. So, I mean, give us a little bit of a background. I mean, how did you get to where you are? Um, how did you get into medicine in the first place? Is that something you've always wanted to, you know, venture into and specialize in um, anesthesiology? Oh, yes. Um, you know what? I'm a village girl from Botswana uh, in, in Limpopo. And uh, growing up, I really, we really didn't have much. And uh, I had a dream of becoming a doctor because I was so inspired by our local doctor, Dr. Morokolo Sadehi. And, uh, you know, the way uh, he impacted in people's lives. And I wanted to do just that. And how he had this, he managed to build this incredible trust uh, uh, from his patients. And, uh, yeah, I've always been inspired by him. And uh, with anesthesia, I started, um, like, in the whole medical school, we only did anesthesia in fifth year. And uh, it was, with us at the time, it was for a week. And um, let me tell you something. That was one memorable week of my life. And uh, I I feel like, and I still feel like they don't uh, give it enough airtime in medical school. You know, I call it... A forbidden fruit. So I've always wanted to, you know, uh, to taste that forbidden fruit. So after internship, uh, I really loved uh, medicine, but I realized that um, doing what you love, of course, is a blessing, but mastering what you do is true power. So I wanted to be that that person, and I then specialized. Um, but I started with a diploma in anesthesia, which took me a year. And then I went uh, for my, um, master fellowship in anesthesia, which is uh, my internationally recognized one. Um, I wrote my exams in South Africa at home, and then I did a master's in anesthesia. And I'm presently um, anesthetizing uh, for open heart surgery, thoracic surgery, and neurosurgery. And I, I really love it. I enjoy it. You know, I don't feel like I'm working. You know, I, yeah. I feel like, yeah. So tell me about this. Why is it, uh, you know, as you described it, the forbidden fruit is in they you know, they don't focus uh, on it so much. Why, why do you think that is the case? Is it not uh, sexy enough? Um, actually, it's, um, it's one of the highest uh, risk speciality in medicine. And um, since then, now they do it for like three weeks in, in like in medical school, and then they would then they at least they gave it like two months of internship, and it's 
it's like compulsory. So now I think they are they are opening their eyes. I mean, uh, with anesthesia, you, pro, you you like you literally are taking care of the patient as a whole under surgery. So, and with so many people having died under anesthesia, so now they are giving it. Um, some limelight in terms of people having to learn and know more about it. But in all truth and honesty, we don't have uh, enough specialist anesthesiologists in the country and more especially we don't have enough black uh, specialist uh, anesthesiologists. So it's one of those. But uh, more and more uh, people are coming up, but the ones who qualify, they qualify and leave the country, um, you know, for better, uh, greener pastures outside the country. But, yeah. So let's talk about the Dr. Pashi Foundation. I mean, um, I mentioned in the intro to, you know, the Kyle listeners that it aims to uplift women through education. What inspired you to start a foundation? Mm, you know what? I was... Uh, brought up by parents who love God and uh, they are teachers. You know, teachers, we don't, they don't really end that much. But the little that they had, they used to share with everybody. Like, I grew up uh, knowing that we have to give to the less fortunate. So um, that's, that's one of uh, the, the seeds that my my parents have planted in my life. I've always been uh, doing uh, philanthropy work, but recently I've uh, decided to formalize it and uh, and uh, funded uh, the Pesci Foundation. I was compelled by my personal need to create change in underprivileged communities, especially for women and young people who are struggling to have basic necessities in, in life, such as clothes, um, sanitary towels, stationaries, and most importantly, financial means to attain higher educa- education qualifications. So, you know, I'm a firm believer of education. I know that um, with education, education is the greatest equalizer in any society, you know, and my intent is to pull up everyone who can, you know, so that we can um, gather our resources and, and you know, play our part in bring the education closer to the disadvantaged young people. Right. The reception you've received thus far, I mean, you know, since starting the foundation and some of the work that you've done, perhaps you can, you know, let us know a little bit about that. Oh, yes. Um, Well, the vision of the foundation, as I said, is to be the leading um, agent for social change and development with a focus on education and empowerment. We've uh, recently gone on a five-day tour. Uh, uh, we had a campaign recently, uh, which is which is a biannual campaign, um, clean your closet campaign, where we actually uh, we were collecting uh, clothes, pre-used clothes from people, and uh, pack them nicely. You know, uh, laundry them, uh, pack them nicely, and. Um, pack them nicely in our Dr. Pesci Foundation bags and uh, give them to the less fortunate people uh, during our foundation tour. So we managed to to give at least 700 people with uh, 10 clothing items each. And then we also gave away 358 pairs of shoes, a lot of stationary sanitary towels, 
And we got uh, some money donations where we were actually able to buy a lot of groceries and uh, gifted like 200 people uh, with groceries enough for a month. So it's still new. It's still a journey. But I believe that uh, when we uh, involve people, the public, to donate, to to play uh, part in this worthy project, we can actually make a huge difference. Hence, I... I decided to formalize it and just bring everyone together to come and help us. Hmm. I mean, you know, when you look back at your career, do you find that there's a lot more young women coming into that, uh, into the medical space? Um, and how do we encourage more, you know, young girls to to pursue the path you've followed, um, you know, being married to medicine as you as you describe yourself in, on social media? Um, you know what? I believe that, and I can tell you, medicine is a calling. Uh, as much as people don't want to to accept it, medicine is a calling. If you if you are called to serve, if your purpose is to serve, and you want to serve, like in terms of saving lives, and um, yeah, you can do it. I mean, it's not it's not the most difficult uh, course to do, honestly. It's just that it's tough in terms of entry level. They want certain marks from matric. If you didn't get that, they want DSCs and all. But uh, in all truth and honesty, it's a human body. And um, if you love it, you can do it. And most people don't want to, like, didn't want to uh, study medicine because doctors are uptight. You know, young people will tell you that doctors are uptight or they'll tell you that medicine takes too long. But if it's something that you really, really love, um, you can do it. And it's not difficult at all. And another thing is that it's not about the status quo. It's not about, you know, um, the title. But it's all about the feeling you get after saving a life. And it is priceless, you know. So, yeah. Uh, more and more young people are coming now because they see us and they see us, you know, being normal people. Uh, they see they see us like uh, being in business and being able to get married and having children and specializing and still uh, slaying, looking good. And yeah, I, I guess now people are yeah. like really drawn into the career because of what they see, they look at, the, at us as role models and they get encouraged to literally step into their purposes of serving. Yeah. Speaking of, um, you know, slaying as you, as the cool kids like to um, describe it, I mean, most people who probably follow you on social media and have heard of you, under, they understand that you're into fashion, even though you're a doctor. And it's quite interesting you mentioned that um, people think doctors are uptight and that kind of stuff. The link between, you know, an- answering that calling, being a doctor, but also, you know, being yourself, loving fashion, um, you know, doing all the things that you want to do and, and I suppose not losing your personality. Is, is that hard, that fine line between not being seen as the serious doctor and also trying to be yourself? Well, I think it's a, it's a personal thing. It's, like, for an example, when I went into medicine, I, I knew that... Um, you know, uh, typically doctors are uptight and everything. But I told myself that I'm going to be myself in the profession. I'm going to to be me. I don't want to 
lose myself in the midst of medicine. I want to practice medicine and still be me. And that's what makes me happy. I mean, I'm from a family that loves fashion. I'm from a generation of fashion. Have you seen my mom? Like, wow, my mom is a style star. My aunts, my cousins, everyone. And, you know, it's um, you communicate and pour your heart out through your style, you know. And sometimes you use it as therapy. I know I use it as, as therapy. When you see me looking extra good, just know that I'm going through something, you know. And um, and of course, I believe that a good-looking doctor uh, impacts positively on, on an emotional state of the patient. I mean, you get into the ward and the patient will tell you that, oh, doctor, I feel better by just looking at you, you know. Those things, they count, you know, like they just look forward to another day because of, you know, how you represent the the profession, you know. Mm. So, yeah, there isn't really a direct link, but it depends on the person, how the person is. If you're not a fashionable person, it, it's still okay, but still look uh, presentable. Um, be clean and, you know, make uh, that patient feel special that, wow, she tried. You know, you know when you go to somebody and you're, you're not like, you haven't tried anything, you're just, as if it's, it's a sign of disrespect. But if you carry yourself, you clean, you're neat, you, you smell good, it's like I'm respecting you as a patient. Oh. And yeah. A little earlier on, uh, you know, the previous interview, we had a conversation with a gentleman by the name of Ntutu Goshezi, and he has a business that is uh, involved in crowd farming. And and it was quite interesting to get his take on how, you know, COVID-19, the pandemic has affected him. And in the space that you're in, I mean, um, you know, what was that like being in the front line? And, you know, how have you stayed motivated to, you know, still keep going, even though it can be quite difficult for a lot of people out there, especially around about this time? You know what? I think um, with COVID-19, in the beginning, it was like, you know, it was something new, something that uh, we is bizarre to all of us. And as time goes on, it went sour, like really sour. I remember uh, there was one weekend where like six of my colleagues between on a Friday and a Saturday, they died uh, due to COVID. It, it was so scary. It was so emotional, so traumatic. And, you know, it really tested our core obedience to this calling as healthcare professionals, you know. In uh, being in clinical medicine and on the front line with, uh, in that uh, period was emotionally draining. Most people were not even going to work, but uh, equally so, most people would really get infected and then they, they would get healed and they would go back and work. Like, it really, it was it was such a, a bizarre moment, equally uh, fulfilling to, to be there and save those lives during uh, the trying time, you know. So, yeah, it, it was... It had mixed feelings. I cried a lot during uh, the pandemic because I've lost a lot of people who've mentored me, a lot of people that I've worked with, and um, it's still so painful because they are still not there, and you can't 
a life lost is a life lost. You can't replace it. It's not a cup of tea. So we're still trying to pick up the pieces. We're still trying to, you know, get used to the new norms. We've, we've, we've navigated through the new norms, but still, it's, things are still not the same. And especially with us anesthesiologists and anesthetists and, and nurses who are working in theatre, because we work directly with the airway. So hence, most of the anesthesiologists, they died. So it's, it's, it's a painful moment. Mm. What words of encouragement or advice do you have for those who are in, you know, medical school right now, who are, you know, push, uh, probably pushing right through the end, those who are considering following, um, you know, the passion, which may be medicine, uh, and probably those who are in, you know, residency right now, are starting to figure it out and, and work at that entry level. What advice would you have for them? Mm. I would say that you can never build a successful career on a foundation of excuses. There are so many reasons why you can't. There are so many reasons why you, you like you would drop, but uh, you shouldn't listen to those things because those are, those are just negativities trying to pull you down. And you must always, always chase for perfection because when you chase perfection, you will catch excellence. And another thing is that in this career, we are, you know, it, like like I said, it's not, it's not, um, we're not dealing with tools. We're dealing with human beings, you know. Uh, so when I say people need to try to be perfect, I mean that should anything happen, there's a life lost, you know, and you cannot replace a person. Somebody loses their parents. Somebody loses their children. So we must always, always show up and be in our A game. Do you understand? That's amazing. On that note, thank you so much uh, for your time. That's Dr. Pashi, who is an internationally award-winning anthropologist and uh, specialist anesthesiologist. That word always um, gets me every time. But uh, thank you so much uh, for taking us through your journey and also sharing some uh, pearls of wisdom. It's just gone 20 minutes to 9 o'clock. I'm Nastasia Arons, standing in for Sumitra Naidu. Rewinding. Rewinding Kaya FM on FM Rewind. Visit kayafm.com co.za for more.